0: hello and welcome to this week's episode of the fitness solution not this week even it's this month it's right i'm going monthly now month to month um which is awesome i hope you all enjoyed last month's episode where i got to talk to mummy Humphreys and daddy Humphreys all about um well, i can't even remember what we spoke about now but yeah i hope you enjoyed that episode it was cool of them to jump on we all did it a bit last minute actually um which was fun and fine and good. So that's cool. So I sent out for in preparation for today, I sent out uh, some emails and put it on my Instagram stories like to get some questions. And I'm back to the Q and A format now with, uh, with the podcast. And I've got some awesome, awesome questions to get through today. We've got three, which is cool. Should keep it short and sweet, which is always nice. And there's some really insightful questions, actually. And in all honesty, I, I've looked at them, I've thought about what my responses will be, and I, I'm, I'm, I've I'm just hit record, and we're gonna see what happens, because they're tough questions. So we'll see where it goes. So as long as you're ready for the ride, let's go. So the first question is, how do you have discussions with people in your life that are not supportive of your fitness or health exploration? Oh, what a question. Um, now, you know, haters are gonna hate, aren't they? Like it doesn't matter what we do in life. It doesn't matter whether you're, I, I, and in fairness, I've experienced this an awful lot in my life. Like if you look at my life, I've gone through some very odd careers. I don't know how long you've been around listening to me and stuff, but you know, when I was an actor, And when I decided that I wanted to become an actor at school, I know lots of people were up against me, or they weren't up against me, they just thought it was stupid. They didn't think, I I know one guy said, you're not good looking enough to be an actor. Um, Other people just clearly didn't think I was talented enough and all kinds of things. Um, And then even as a personal trainer, people have mocked me, mocked my body, uh, mocked all kinds of different things about me about what i do about how i'm going to do it and about what um and about what i am trying to achieve as a personal trainer and so therefore i've developed this ability i've developed this um i've developed this resilience against people's opinions that has only come through necessity I suppose you could argue and I think that's genuinely the best way to go about it is you develop a thick skin and you just go you know what your opinion doesn't matter to me because essentially at the end of the day if their opinion isn't supportive of what it is you're trying to achieve and if it isn't supportive of what you're doing then they're clearly people who are misaligned to you in somewhat or in some way they're clearly people who are misaligned to your values and on what you're trying to do and i just don't know why you'd spend time with those people or even not even spend time with those people but i don't know why you would even place value on their opinion of you i know that's easier said than done like we can't ban everybody from our lives we can't ban co-workers we can't ban family members we can't do things like that but then i suppose it's similar to politics you just have to understand that certain topics you can talk about with people and certain topics you can't and if you know you're not going to get a decent response from people when you bring up your health and fitness from them just don't bring it up around them don't expose them to it and by not exposing them to it you're therefore not exposing yourself to their negative opinion on it and therefore it will protect them and it will protect you and therefore overall it will protect your relationship now this obviously is easier said than done like that's for co-workers and friends and things like that but when it comes down to obviously somebody a bit more significant i.e a partner um it's obviously going to be a little bit more difficult and in that situation i think really you just have to you have to hope that they're, I, I think in many ways, if it's a partner, they're normally reticent through fear for themselves. Um, that they're worried that you're going to change too much or they're worried that you're gonna, you're gonna sort of move away from them too much and you'll become this different person and, and change is something that always challenges people. Um, especially in a relationship. I mean, I'm quite an embracer of change, but many people aren't, and I understand that. And then I suppose it's about having a conversation with that person and saying to them directly that, you know, I'm, I'm doing this because I believe it will give me more value, it will give me the ability to put more into our relationship, it will give me the ability to put more into loving you it will help me heal my relationship with myself or it'll help me heal my relationship with food or it'll help me heal my relationship with you know whatever x and therefore by doing that i can then make sure that i'm going to be more present and better in our relationship for both of us And, and you kind of i suppose in some ways you have to frame the benefit of it for them as well as the benefit of it for you, and then if it's like you know they find it difficult, they don't want to change their dinners or whatever all these things that I know I'm going through the whole list, but all these things are things I've come up with um or I've come up against as a trainer with clients and and then in those situations it's a case of managing it and it's just a case of going, okay, well I'm and it's a case of kind of there's a phrase I love that we learn at drama school called sometimes you have to be selfish in order to be generous. And therefore if they don't want you cooking certain dinners, then just be like, okay, that's fine. I'm, I, I have to do this for me. I need to have these dinners. So I'm going to cook this for myself. And if you want to cook yourself something else, then that's absolutely fine. I'm not stopping you. Like I'm not going to get in your way if you don't like this, that, and this, that's fine. You can cook something else for yourself and just put it back on them. And you'll be amazed that when you take that stance, when you put that boundary in place and you respect yourself enough to, to say, I am not going to bend on this. And therefore you're going to have to change your behavior because of it. Um, you'd be amazed how quickly they will then start eating the food that you're cooking. Um, and I, I think that's really it. Like, the main thing is really just don't, if people, if they are people who are not supportive for you or supportive of you or anything like that, then you clearly, clearly just should probably, if you can, just stop engaging with them in that manner. Those, and, and putting in boundaries like that is probably one of the best things you can do. Right. I think I answered that adequately. Uh, right. Next question. How do you escape the feelings of selfishness when prioritizing the structure that you are trying to make consistent for yourself? Interesting question. How, let's say it again, how do you escape the feelings of selfishness when prioritizing the structure? I did, well, this, this clearly relates to my last answer in the sense that you have to be selfish in order to be generous. I'm sure you've probably heard that classic thing or seen a classic thing on instagram that you can't pour from an empty cup well it's kind of the same thing um it's not selfish if it means that you can help others better it's not selfish if it means that you can then put that energy into somebody else's into your relationship with somebody else it's not selfish to look after yourself. In fact, I'd argue it's the opposite of selfish. It's altruistic. Because what is selfish is when you're not in your best place and therefore you're you're putting more of a demand on someone else. That's selfish. When you're not in your in your strongest sense of who you are and your confident self and you're attaching insecurity or you're you're reflecting insecurity, or you're, you're putting all of those negative feelings and worries and, and fears into your relationship with somebody else, and therefore it's putting a stress on them. That's selfish. The opposite of that is making sure you protect yourself is making sure you work on yourself is making sure that you're doing what you want to do for you so that you are constantly in your best place so that you can then be there to support others when they need it you cannot be a drain on others in the sense of taking up their time or their energy or abusing their love or anything like that that's that's like that's where you want to be you want to be in a place where you're almost non-reliant on others um so by being by being by prioritizing your own self you're not you're not being selfish it's the opposite of selfish it's altruistic because the selfish thing to do is to expect somebody else to fix it for you that's the selfish thing to do because you're not willing to to do what's required for you and that puts uh, uh, and by kind of offloading that responsibility that's selfish because you're not willing to do it yourself selfishness is an interesting concept isn't it it's so demonized in our society you should never be selfish you should always share etc cetera, etc cetera. but actually there comes a point when sharing isn't caring i suppose there comes a point when um actually selfishness is the best option and and i suppose it's just the way we frame it selfishness isn't what you perceive to be selfish probably might not be somebody else's experience of what you're doing so therefore it's your experience and the other thing as well with that is if this person if that person whoever it is we're talking about here if they were behaving in the way you're behaving, would you view that as selfish? And if the answer to that is no, then why you're either assuming they think that about you, or you could say that to them. You could say, well, if you was doing this, I wouldn't see it as selfish. I'd understand why you're doing it, how you're doing it, how it impacts everything, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So I think really that's probably the best way of, what was it? escape the feelings and I'd also argue you you don't need to escape the feelings a big thing with feelings is you know embrace them is lean into them is work with them is understand them is analyze them more um i mean what is a feeling a feeling isn't truth a feeling is just a kind of a chemical response within your system or it's a learned response in your body to a circumstance that you're experiencing again and therefore it's It's steeped in history and that history will be clouded or colored or informed by everything that has gone before. So therefore, you almost need to try and shine a new light on it. You almost need to think again about, hang on, have I got this feeling because I experienced this in the past and is that really the truth of what's going on now? We should never try and escape feelings. Feelings are to be experienced. Feelings are to be analyzed. Feelings are to be very much investigated. And they're not truth. They're not hardcore objective fact. Feelings are a subjective experience of our surroundings. And that they're a way in which our body manifests um, all the information that is coming at it and how we shape it and do it yes feelings are to be acknowledged and yes feelings are to be respected but they're not truth they're not the be all and end all and the more you can look into whether the feeling is the reality of what is going on and the more you can almost separate what you're feeling to the actual truth then that's really the best way i suppose to escape the feeling like when I read escape the feeling, I think about putting it in a box and that's not what you need to do. Like put it in a box and don't deal with it. Really the best way to escape it is to lean into it is to investigate it is to confront it is to question it is to look more into it is to ask the questions of those who are making you feel that way to really dig into the truth because a feeling is not truth. In my opinion, I think that's, I think that's fact as well. I believe that's like, I'm not a psychologist, but I do believe that is the psychological factor, of feelings and emotions. That's another question, isn't it? Are feelings and emotions the same thing? I don't know. I might have to hand that over to Instagram, see what the result is. I'll let you know next next month. Right. And the third question for today. What are some of the most deeply ingrained tenets of harmful diet culture, that people may not even be aware are a part of their everyday life and thought process? Interesting. Very interesting. Let's say it again. What are some of the most deeply ingrained tenets of harmful diet culture that people may not even be aware are a part of their everyday life and thought process? Now suppose firstly we need to define what diet culture is and Like I'm not anti-diet, I'm anti-diet culture, I suppose. And diet culture, the way I see it, is the belief that everybody has to be a certain weight, look a certain way, um, be a certain size in order to be valued within society. I think that's kind of the knob of diet culture and then if we're looking at deeply ingrained tenants of that harmful diet culture, the people may not even be aware or are a part of their everyday life and thought process. Well, I mean, that's there's lots in that. Things like, for instance, the size of furniture, I suppose is one thing that springs to mind. Um, I noticed this as a tall guy. Like whenever I've had to like wash up in a lot of sinks and stuff, especially in like businesses and industrial places, um, they're too low for me and they really hurt my back. Or like if I'm in a if I work in a in a business and um and I have to work on a table, the tables are too low for me and they really aren't designed for me to be working on because they're too low. So furniture is I suppose one thing that you've probably never even thought about. But furniture is designed to be a like, it's designed for people of a certain size, and if you're not that certain size, like, it, like sitting on a chair could be very uncomfortable for you. That's like one thing you've probably never even thought about. And to say that's diet culture might not be fair. Like, obviously, we have to manufacture things to certain sizes, to certain regulations. Like, but it's just one of those small micro things that it's, I suppose more it's these little things that add stress and affect people who live in higher weight bodies, their day to day life. And it's one that that's one of those little things that does that, that people who have never experienced being in a higher weight body would not even be aware of. And it's things like that, that really are those deep ingrained tenants of diet culture. Um, I, I, I don't think I can come up with a list, because in truth, I, I'm not sure I fully know. I'm not sure I know myself, really, what would be in that list, because I've not experienced everything that somebody who is in a high-weight body has experienced. But if you think about it objectively, it's every time you look at a magazine, like, put it this way, it's common parlance in the publishing world, or it's common parlance in media, to have a certain type of person on a magazine, right? And then when they go against that narrative, that also creates headlines and therefore, so just like normality doesn't exist. So you either have to be like the the typical version of beauty, um, whatever that is, but you know, like the typical media version of beauty, or you have to be, Almost the polar opposite of the typical version of beauty to be put on the front cover of a magazine, and that in of itself like there's nothing normal about either of those two extremes, and that's what it is is like there's a constant drip in society of pushing against the extreme um sorry, of maximizing the extreme of uh, and really when we look at it when we're constantly fed this this belief and this understanding that the extremes are the normality then we feel very insignificant in our normal selves and our normal states and and that's what's wrong with it really because our normal selves and our normal states are what is so beautiful about life like that's the most beautiful thing is that we're normal and that's beautiful and that's epic and that's wonderful because actually being normal takes a lot of pressure off you when you understand that you're just normal you're just the normal human being doing a normal thing in their normal lives in their normal days you know not everyone is extraordinary and we don't want everyone to be extraordinary because when everybody is extraordinary it creates an extremely unsavory situation for everyone involved it creates ego it creates a a toxic culture a toxic society and that's kind of what diet culture perpetuates diet culture perpetuates this extraordinary version of reality and therefore it becomes toxic to us being society and therefore we never feel good enough and therefore we end up spending money on trying to reach extraordinary when it's not possible and realizing that extraordinary doesn't exist for 99.9% of all humanity is really the most important thing um yeah I, I kind of don't know um not even being aware of that a part of their everyday life and thought process I mean I just think it's I think we all experience an element of not being good enough, an element of imposter syndrome, an element of not being worthy in life. You know, whether it's finances, whether it's our physical shape, whether it's our fitness, whether it's where we live, what we do. You know, we live in a world where looking up is what's most important. And therefore, you're constantly, if you, all you're doing is looking up, you're constantly thinking you are down. Um, and that's no good, really. And I suppose it's that. I suppose you could argue it's capitalism. Um, it, there, there's a lot, kind of, when you really look deep into it, there's a lot of stuff that kind of feeds into this unworthiness feeling. It's, you know, you can even argue like the whole, I read a good book on it actually about um, like, being a millennial and experiencing burnout and and things like that. Uh, what was the book called? Um, I'm gonna have to go into my Audible now to see if I've still got it on there. Um, and it, like the, the book, ah, uh, the book was called something like The Power of Being Normal. Um, oh, come on, it's in here somewhere. I know it's in here somewhere. Good enough, it was called by Eleanor Ross it's a very good book i'm trying to get the tagline up for it up um the tagline is the myth of success and how to celebrate the joy in average and i think that's it really we've lost the ability to celebrate the joy in being average because we are sold especially millennials we're sold this myth of being awesome, this myth of being the best, this myth of being the greatest, this myth of always being on top, this myth of how many followers do I have? And all of that feeds into diet culture because we're also told that, you know, the problem is ours, that, you know, our is a result of our, of our misbehavior or mistreatment. And, the truth behind that is probably very small compared to the reality of of really what goes into it and 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 you know the changes that we can make to our body by adopting more healthful behaviours is not what we're sold in the media it's not what we're sold at the gym it's not what we're sold in many places simply because simply because it doesn't sell and that's kind of it i suppose yeah i think that's it i'm sorry if you was expecting a big list of things of tenants and stuff um but it's probably quite a hard thing to to talk about um or to just say what well, is this because everybody's subjective experience of life is different right we all have a different human experience and we all experience different things. And I don't know what you're experiencing, so I can't come up with a list of what's in your life. And I've not fully, well, I do experience diet culture, of course, everyone does, but it affects me differently because I'm not in a higher weight body compared to somebody else. So judging that as well is quite hard and understanding that, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that is it, I'll leave it there. So I am done. So thank you so much for listening to uh, this, this month's episodes, February. 2022 number 101 of the fitness solution thank you so much for listening listen um this month i'm trying to produce a blog every um month one blog a month this year i might go for two one month or whatever but the minute one blog a month is my goal and this month i produced one that's all about how to start your fitness journey um which you could argue being called the gym starter i probably should have done well before today or i published it about three days ago um but you know self-compassion needs to kick in i didn't write it uh but i've written it now and if you want to read that um see what my views are on how to start a fitness journey i go into like where confidence comes from i go into sort of addressing your fears because fears are a big thing to overcome in order to start a fitness journey Um, and things like that. So it's, I think it's a really interesting read, but obviously I'm going to say that But I'll let you be the judge of that. If you want to read that, then all you have to do is go to my website, www.thegymstarter.com and then go forward slash blog, or you can just click the blog link on the, the header link thing on the website. And that'd be awesome. If you could, uh, give that a listen or give that a read, I mean, and, um, and let me know if it resonated with you, that'd be so great. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for listening to this Q&A episode of The Fitness Solution. And if you need anything, you know how to get a hold of me. Peace, love, and protein. Ciao, ciao.